Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I started talking about faith, faith tune-up. Actually, I looked at my notes and I started back in December of last year, carried over into January. And there was, we had two services in January that uh, uh, I couldn't minister that. The first Sunday of January was, you know, New Year's Day, and I did a, a New Year's message. And then we were gone on the, on the 29th, Pastor Angela and I were in California ministering out there. And uh, we weren't ministering on that Sunday, but we started on the next day on Monday. And uh, so I missed those two services. And then uh, Pastor Greg was here. Of course, he ministered on the 29th of January. And then uh, uh, we returned. And if, if I remember right, the next Sunday of February, the first Sunday of February, the Lord just moved differently. It's, I, I don't have any notes on us. I don't know what happened that Sunday. But anyway, and then the 12th, I, I picked up and started on uh, the subject of the temple of God. Because the Lord had been dealing with me about that. But you know, you never leave faith. You never leave faith. That's not talk, I'm not just talking about the preacher. Because most preachers do leave faith. I'm saying, as a Christian, you never leave faith. And uh, quite a few, several very prominent ministers and preachers over the years have made a statement. Something to the effect uh, in, in giving advice to other pastors continually preach on faith. Like I said, prominent ministers that, that with, with lifetimes of experience have, have coached younger ministers, younger pastors, constantly preach on faith. Well, the reason for that is easy. Uh, the, the just live by faith. Amen. Now, now, when we say that, and I'm just like you, when I hear something, you know, said, uh, scripture, it can be a scripture phrase, you know, or it can be anything else, you know, you, you just kind of accept it, yeah, you know. But the just are to live by faith. God never intended that we live by our own, by our own resources. Now, listen, a, a, a strong work ethic is biblical. That's where that came. America was founded with certain core cultural beliefs and a strong work ethic was one of them. I, I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, a little side journey, a few weeks ago, I, I mentioned something about when I was uh, young, you know, we'd go out to the, when I was young in the Lord, you know, at that revival that was going on on Saturdays and then other times during week, we would go, particularly on Saturdays, we'd go down to the, to the downtown park in Jacksonville, it's called Heming Park, and we would witness and I said to the homeless. Now, back then, they weren't called homeless. They were called bums. You had people who worked and you had bums. Now, you had people then who couldn't work, who actually had something wrong with them. And they were in a different class. Everybody recognized that. But if you weren't in that class, you, were either, you either worked or you were a bum. So, you know, we whitewash things today. Well, they're homeless. Well, you know, uh, hmm. work is biblical. Amen. In Old and New Testament. And, uh, you know, God, God gave the children of Israel, he brought them into the land of, of plenty, into a land of, of uh, rivers and streams and, and valleys and mountains and, 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 and uh, uh, you know, all of the good things. But they still had to work. They had to cultivate the land. I mean, when, when Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden, they were put there, he and Eve, to tend it. 
So, so God intends that we work, but he doesn't intend for us to live by our work. Now, that, there, there's, a, there's a place for work, and he does bless us through that, but we're to live by faith. Live by faith. We're not to live by our wits. We're not to live by our own wisdom. We're not to live by what we can do, what we have done, what we've accomplished, what we, we're supposed to live by faith. And so that's why we have to preach on it all the time because it's the guiding principle of the Christian life. And, uh, you know, if, if you don't live by faith, really and truly live by faith, you will not possess the blessings of God, not the full blessing of God. If you really want to have the fullness of God's blessing, you're going to have to live by faith. But the problem is a lot of Christians are okay with living and, and having some of the blessings of God. Too many Christians are okay with just being blessed in a measure, and, but the measure is far less than what God intends. And, and, and it's not just a matter of, of, you know, take it or leave it, because Jesus paid the same price for the stuff we don't enjoy as he did for the stuff we do enjoy. He paid the same price for our prosperity as he did for our healing. He paid the same price for our peace as he did, as he did for our prosperity. Everything that we are, that is available, Jesus laid his life down and suffered the worst suffering possible. Allowing himself to be cut off from God and cast out into darkness. So that we can enjoy the blessing, the full measure of the blessing of God. That's why we shouldn't leave anything on the table. Where there should be a constant reaching of faith for all that God has. Amen. So, uh, so it's necessary to talk about it. It's good to talk about it because, because in this world we all uh, suffer. Uh, we all suffer uh, attacks against our faith. The enemy is constantly battling you where your faith is concerned. That's why the Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Don't fight one another. <laughs> Don't fight your neighbors, but fight the good fight of faith. And, and it's a fight because the devil is there to oppose everything God has done and, and wants to do in your life. But faith will lay hold of it. Amen. And God is pleased by faith. Amen. It pleases God. Glory to God. So let's go to uh, Mark 11. And uh, I'll just pick up, you know, it's been several weeks since I've talked about it, but I don't need to go back and, and really connect the dots. Uh, we'll just start in, in, in what's, what chapter did I tell you? Did I tell you? Excuse me. I'm, in my mind, I'm saying Hebrews, but in my mouth, I said Mark. Hebrews chapter 11. Mark 11 is a good place to start for faith too. But, but uh, we were in Hebrews 11 the last time I ministered on this, which I think was the 12th of February or January. Anyway, praise the Lord. Hebrew 11, Hebrews 11, verse one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We, we read this, uh, or I read this uh, commentary, or, or this is Kenneth Hagin's saying of this. He said, faith is laying hold of the unrealities of hope and bringing them into the realm of reality. And we pointed out the fact that hope doesn't have any reality. 
Uh, you can hope for a million dollars. You can hope all your life. You can be a grand hoper. I mean, you can be a world-class hoper. You can develop techniques and methods of hoping and, and layers and layers of, 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 uh, uh, of wonders of hoping, and it won't put you one dollar closer to a million dollars. And uh, so hope really doesn't, hope is a good goal setter, but that's all it does. It can't advance you toward the goal. It can keep you steady while you're waiting and while you're believing God, but it won't move you in that direction. And uh, Moffat's translation of, of uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith means that we are confident of, we, of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. Lovitz, I, I really love the Lovitz uh, uh, paraphrase here. He says, What is faith, you ask? Well, it is an inner assurance that the things we hope for actually do exist and the conviction that they are already ours even though we cannot see them. Hallelujah. The Amplified Bible says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see. Now, you know, it's true in every arena of life, whether it's finances or it's health or it's some other uh, uh, prayer that you've prayed or something you've asked for that's in line with the word of God. It might be a personal uh, something that you're wanting out of life or it could be the, a relationship or a job or, could, you know, any number of things, you know, pr- professional uh, advancement, whatever it might be. Uh, whatever you, if it's, in, if it's consistent with the word of God, you, you, it's, you hope for it. You want it. That's where your desire is. That's why Mark 11, 20, 24, Jesus said, whatever things you desire when you pray, that's, that's your hope. Whatever your, your desire is, believe you receive it and you will have it. And, uh, I think maybe tonight, I don't know if we'll get to it tonight. We'll break that, that passage down a little bit, uh, as well. But then, uh, the Kenneth Wiest in his word studies in the Greek New Testament, uh, he said things, uh, hoped for, he, he uh, referenced it this way. He said, things not revealed to the senses. Because whenever you, you know, the five senses, you know, hearing, speaking, uh, uh, touching, feeling, smelling. What's the other one? Huh? Seeing, did I forget seeing and tasting? Are there six or seven? No, there's only five. <laughs> I mean, actually, some people say there's like 13. Uh, but there, if you if you go and read those those uh, articles and stuff, they're just subcategories of the five. There's five physical senses, and and uh, he said faith is is the substance of things that you can't perceive with your five physical senses. You can't see it, you haven't heard it, you can't touch it, you can't smell it or taste it. it it's 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 just out there in in the mental realm. And, uh, but it's, it's not revealed to the senses. So he said it like this. His translation says this, faith apprehends as a real fact what is not revealed to the senses. It, I love this part. He says it rests on that fact, that it rests on that fact, acts upon it, and is upheld by it in the face of all that seems to contradict it. Glory to God. And, and when I read that, Faith rests on that fact, acts upon it, and is upheld by it in the face of all that seems to contradict it. It always reminds me of that old hymn, Standing on the Promises of God. Standing on the promises of God that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. 
by the living word of God, I shall prevail standing on the word of God, standing on the promises of God. That is faith. Hallelujah. Now, it, in the Amplified Bible, I want to kind of elaborate on this and, and, and uh, dig into this a little bit. Uh, it says, now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. So I want to talk about that. The title deed of things hoped for being the proof of things we do not see. Now, you know, the, the best way to illustrate this for me, and you could do it different ways, is an automobile title. You know, when I, when I paid off my, the truck I'm driving, uh, I think we, oh, I forgot to tell you, Pastor Angela's not here and I, and, because she's got a sore throat and a fever tonight. And so she just really felt crummy today. It started last night, you know, uh, after, after, you know, we were got in and got settled. She started feeling bad and spoke up this morning with a fever. She's been fevered all day. She doesn't have COVID, you know. Uh, remember before COVID when everything wasn't COVID? You know, <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Before COVID, not everything was the flu either. It just didn't feel good. And Pastor Angela has, has kind of a reoccurring thing with her, with her throat and, 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 and being fevered. So I uh, advised her this morning. I said, you need to go to your doctor and see what's going on there because this is kind of recurrent. I mean, over the years, she has it a lot. And I never get it. So I know it's not contagious. But uh, anyway, that's why she's not here. But if she, she, uh, she'll be back. She's, she's, she's recovering good. If she was here, she could tell me how much, uh, how, how long we financed my truck. I don't remember. Refin- we financed it for a little while. She pays the bills. You know, I don't. Is there, is there anybody else in the house understand this besides me? Does any of the other men understand that? All right. Praise the Lord. So anyway, you know, when we paid it off, I, I, I received the title. Uh, in the in the mail, I guess from the bank, you know, and you know what I did with the title. You know what I did with it? I filed it. I haven't looked at the title since. The title is the proof of ownership, and you don't even have to have the vehicle. To prove you, I could go down and did go down. I went down to the to the to city hall, and I got a license tag and registration with no vehicle. They didn't. They didn't say, "Well, let's go out in the parking lot and let's see if you really have this vehicle." No, I had a title. The title was the proof. It was the evidence that I owned a vehicle. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I didn't, to, to, be, to be honest with you, you don't even ever have to see a vehicle to take possession and ownership of it. Car dealerships do this all the time. They buy cars from the main, like it's a Ford dealer. They buy Ford trucks from Ford factories. And they, they, they write a check. They make an order and they transfer funds, and they get title to these vehicles, and the actual vehicle comes on a truck, sometimes weeks later. 
But you know what? In that, in that Ford dealership, everything, all the finances in there in the church and everywhere, it's, it's, it's assets and liabilities. <laughs> assets are your, uh, is, is cash on hand. It's real estate, buildings, all the, you know, all the forklifts and the, and the car lifts, you know, in the, in the uh, Ford dealership where they do their maintenance and, and, and repair work, all of that, those are all assets. Well, when they cut a check and, 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 and send it to Ford, Ford, you know, company for, for seven pickup trucks, they get titles and that, that title, it still shows up on the asset side. They own those vehicles. They don't fret about it. Now, I don't guess they put it listed in their inventory yet because, you know, I don't want to go down and look at all the Fords that they have title on. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I want to look at the vehicle, you know, or whatever make it is. I, I know there's, oh, Mr. Anderson, you ought to look at, look, open the title. This is a beautiful Ford truck. It's just, well, what does it look like? Oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's a nice, you know, uh, uh, you know sky blue and, and it's, you know, it's got, yeah, but I want to touch it. But where the, where the dealership is, what I'm saying is proof, title is, is, and, and evidence is a temporary commodity until the thing that it's proof of shows up. When the proof, when, when the thing shows up that it is the proof of, you don't need the proof anymore. I have, I have my title tucked away and I, and I don't suppose I will ever look at it again. Until I get ready to sell it. Now, when it comes to the things of God, the things of faith, faith is the title deed. It's, it's the title deed of the things we hope for. Our faith gives us the evidence that we have it when we can't see it. And just like that dealer is just as On his ledger side, on, on the asset side of his ledger, he's got those 17 trucks. Or however many trucks he bought. He's, he has them. They're his. And he counts them as his. That he's not, he's, not over, he's not upset that he can't see them because he has title. Faith is the title deed of the things we hope for and the evidence of the things we, we, we don't see. Now, that doesn't mean that the evidence or the, or, the, or the thing is not important. I think sometimes people think, well, you know, God is a God of faith. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe. And he just... As soon as we put our faith out there, that's it with God. He doesn't really care if the thing shows up or not, you know, because he's got faith from us. That's not true at all. God is very interested in the manifestation of the thing you believe. He wants you to have those things. You know, the title deed, the title to my truck is fine. When I went down and registered it, you know, I didn't actually didn't have the title, but the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the bank or the uh, dealership, whoever carried it, you know, they had the documentation. And uh, I didn't have the vehicle to show it to them. I just had the paperwork. And they believed it. But, you know, I can't get in that paperwork and drive it home. I can't drive the title to the church every week. So the title is important. I'm not trying to minimize uh, or the, the thing is important. I'm not trying to minimize the thing. God is interested in the things you hope for. He wants you to have them. If they're consistent with the word of God, and if, they're, if it's consistent with the word of God, that means it originated with the word of God. That means God wants you to have it. 
He actually wants you to feel good. He actually wants you to have peace and not, and not be troubled in your mind. He actually wants you to be well. He doesn't get glory. God never received glory in Jesus' ministry when someone was sick. He, they, Jesus and God always received glory when people were healed. Amen. Now, there's one passage that people would want to point to and say that's not true, but they just don't know what they're saying. You know, when Jesus said this, this, this man's sickness is for the glory of God. But the, 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 you, you, you read the whole passage, God didn't get glory until the man was raised up. When the man was raised up, when he was healed, it says the people glorified God. So in other words, Jesus was saying this man's sickness, he's not saying that the sickness gave glory to God. He's saying that what's going to happen out of this, the process of faith is going to bring glory to God. And, and when the man was healed and raised up, people gave glory to God. So no one ever, glor- Jesus never received glory from anybody being sick. And God doesn't either. So uh, now, like I said, once I have the, the vehicle in my possession, I don't need the title to drive it around. I just enjoy the vehicle. So faith is a temporary commodity that is exercised during the time the thing we're hoping for is not seen. As soon as the thing comes into to the sight realm or to the sense realm, as soon as it comes to pass, we don't need faith anymore for that. And that's where a lot of people miss the mark. They, they, they file their faith away and say, that's over. Instead of freshly applying that faith, you were already believing God for that. Why don't you pick that faith up and use it for something else? Instead of being lazy. Well, praise the Lord. God wants us to be continually believing him for more. He wants us to have more. Amen. And so, uh, you know. Now, now, here's another thing about, about this title uh, idea. I don't need the title to drive my truck. I just enjoy it. Like I said, I, I put that away, stashed it away, and I don't guess I'll look at, again and, at it again until I get ready to, to sell it. But now, let's say I stop driving my, my truck for some reason. I just quit driving it. You know, maybe I get a new truck and I, you know, and I don't, I just... Love the old truck, don't want to get, I don't know. Maybe it just, I get tired of it. I stop driving it. And uh, if I stop driving it for a while, maybe I let the tag and the registration expire. And so it's just, I still have the truck and it's sitting in my driveway. But what if, you know, somebody keeps driving by my house and they see that truck sitting out there and it never moved and it's got this all covered about this high in dirt, you know, it looks terrible. I said, well, it's, it's not an old truck. It's kind of late model. What if somebody stole that truck? You know, I'd have a difficult time recovering that truck if I didn't have any evidence it was mine. Let's say I lost the title. I go to look for the title. I can't find it. It doesn't have a tag. It's not registered to me. I don't have a title. I'd be really hard-pressed to, to, to find that truck. The police could look for it, but uh, if they found it, I, I can't prove that it's mine. But I've had the title. See, the devil will try to steal things from you. Things that are yours, your health, your peace of mind, your joy. Amen. 
your, your, your finances. He'll try to steal things from you that you've been enjoying. You've just been enjoying them. And uh, all of a sudden, it looks like they're gone. All of a sudden, it feels like the joy is gone. All of a sudden, it feels like the peace is gone. All of a sudden, it feels like the health is gone. Oh, but wait a minute. I still have the title. I get that title out again. The title is the evidence of things hoped for and, and the proof of things not seen. See, we will, we will always be using the title because the enemy is always trying to take things from us. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Faith says, I have it because God said it was mine. And Jesus said, when you pray, believe you receive it and you will have it. Now, turn to Mark eleven twenty three. I like to take Mark eleven twenty three to understand it the best, at least for me. This helps me. To divide this, this verse into four parts. Mark, not, not Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty four. I like to I like to take Mark eleven twenty four and divide it into four segments, and it's real it's real easy. It's a short verse. Number one, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. Number four, you will have them. Now, whatever things you, number one, whatever things you ask for, and number four, and you will have them, both of those segments tell me that I don't have it. I don't physically have it. If I physically had it, I wouldn't be asking for it. We used to, uh, years ago when I, when I first started out pastoring, I used to uh, jokingly say this, how many of you believe you're here tonight? Everybody's hand would go up. And I said, well, why do you believe it? It seems like you'd know it. We, we don't, if, if, you're, if you're asking for something, that means you don't have it or you wouldn't be asking for it. And if you, and, and, and when he says, and it, and you will have them, then that means you don't have them. But the two things in the middle, when you pray, number two, number three, believe you receive. When you pray, believe you receive them. It, it's really simple, but our minds get involved and our, and, and our feelings get involved. And that's why the apostle said, we do not walk by sight, we walk by faith. We don't walk by how we feel. We walk by our faith in God. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Faith, like I said, faith says I have it, I have it, I have it right now. Now, let's go over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Hallelujah. Romans 10. This is really what I want to talk about tonight. Look at verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Where is the word? In your mouth and in your heart, that is. What is? The word. That is. The word is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. If it's not in your mouth and in your heart, it's not the word of faith. 
If it's not in your, both your heart and your mouth, it's not the word of faith. Then verse 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you see here that the exercise of faith has two components, two parts. Two fun, now there, there's, you know, there's the cooperating things that go along with faith, patience and, and different things. But the actual exercise of faith has two parts. Believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth. And in word of faith circles, I've been doing this a while, I've found that a lot of, of, of word of faith people, people in word of faith churches, agree with the principles of faith but they're a whole lot more uh, diligent with the believing than they are with the saying. Most, most of us believe it's important to say it, but we don't say it as often as we should. We don't really apply that discipline of saying it. And, and I'm going to tell you, if you don't say it, you're not going to have it. Because our, our illustration here is salvation. Well, it would be the same for any other thing you're going to receive from the Lord, any other blessing of God. For with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto. What, what does that mean? The mouth, the, with the mouth confession is made unto that thing. Your confession What you save with your mouth is what God uses to make it unto that thing. It causes your faith to produce. And without speaking, uh, it just can't, it can't happen. Now, God operates this way. Go with me to, uh, you're well in Romans 10, go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. We'll start in verse 13, but we're going to really try, we're we're aiming for verse 17, just to give context. For the promise that Abraham would be heir of the world was not to Abraham, Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect. You know, the promise of God will be of no effect in our life without faith. As many as are the promises of God, they're all, they, the Bible says they're all yes and amen in Christ, but they will have no effect without faith. And faith has two components. And, and, uh, and, and very often I see people failing on the speaking side of this. Let's continue reading. Because the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, when Paul was writing this letter, he was this epistle, he wrote it to the Romans, and in, in the, the, the Christians in Rome were both of Gentile background and Jewish background. But notice he said, Abraham is the father of us all. 
Because we're not of the law, we're of the righteousness of faith. And that's what, that's what Abraham was acting on. He was acting in faith. As it is written, verse 17 says, well, let me say this. The, the promise, God wants the promise to be sure. Now, I, when I was young in, in the things of the Lord and just learning about faith, I remember th- times when I got so frustrated because I felt, God, I felt like God was being so unreasonable. Because I, I would go through the process that I was learning. I was learning. When I, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. And I would believe I received it. And I would think I'd do all the things. Now thank God for it. Tell somebody about it. You know, I'd thank God for it. And it just didn't seem like it would come to pass. And, uh, and it just seemed like, God, what... I'm doing what you say to the best of my ability. I found out later my ability wasn't that great. So somebody said, I'm believing God's best, best as I know. Well, the problem is a lot of times we don't know enough. And that was my fault. I, that was my problem. I didn't know enough and I didn't have that great of ability and faith. But I thought God was being hard on me. And, and I, I, I remember, I don't remember using this, this terminology, but I, in basically my, my attitude was, God, why don't you cut me a little slack? You know, you know, I'm new at this <laughs> and I'm trying and I'm doing right and I'm saying it and why isn't it working? Why don't you just ease off, you know, and, and, you know, maybe just give me a little bit of, 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 of extra grace and just, you know, respond to my praying. It is a faith. He, he tells us here what the, the, the answer to this, it's a, it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure. See, the thing about faith is you don't have to be educated. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to have any con- connections in life. You can be poor born or high born. doesn't make any difference. Anybody can operate in faith because it is so simple. Anybody can understand faith. Now, it takes a while to get good at faith, but anybody can. It's, it's you know, like I said, it's not based on, on, on anything else because if it was based on other things, it would be hard for some people to get it. If it was based on, 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 uh, on super intelligence, I'd be, out, I'd be out in the cold. If it was based on being, coming from a, 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 the right kind of family, I wouldn't measure up there either. It is a faith that it might be according to grace. Oh, the grace of God. Hallelujah. Say it this way. It is a faith that it might be according to unmerited favor. Glory to God. See, that's that's where the grace of God comes in. We don't deserve any of this. And God put it on the basis of faith so that anybody could lay hold that the promise might be sure to all the seed. And so when I was, like I said, when I was young, I, I, I would get so upset. Uh, and I told you, I've told you this before. I used to have this struggle in March of every year. I would have asthma attacks. And I didn't have asthma growing up. And when I was 17 years old, I went to work for the telephone company and working in the, in the you know, this telephone office, the inside, you know, working on switch gear. And we had to solder connections you know we'd make connections you know wrap it and then solder it and 
I'm leaning over this in, in the training center. It was the first week there. I'm in the training center, and they had this rack of, of wires, you know, and we're, I've got soldering. I'd never used one before, and I'm putting the little solder thing on it. And that smoke got, and man, I thought I was going to die. I'd never had an asthma attack. I couldn't breathe. You, if you've had asthma, you know what? That's frightening. Uh, uh. And uh, so, you know, I, I went outside and got some fresh air and recovered, and man, I battled. But then I, I learned to stay away from that soldering smoke. I'd solder like this, you know, blow it away from me. But after that, after that happened to me, it triggered asthma. And, and every March, just as sure as March came around and the March pollen, and, and even in, in Florida, you know, there's February pollen too. And then actually we came back from, we came back from California on the, on the 20, on the next week after, you know, we were out there the first week of February and it was yellow stuff everywhere. So it, it didn't, it didn't affect me in January, February. It was something about when March, it was certain trees or something. When they put out their pollen, man, I couldn't breathe. And so, you know, they had a pill back then called primatine. Remember that, Doug? And I'd take, and it was a little tiny, it was about the size of a baby aspirin. A little yellow pill, if I remember, about the size of a baby aspirin. And I would, I would get my, in my, bedroom and I just confess the word of God and believe I'm healed in Jesus name. Now that I'd gotten, you know, in fellowship with the Lord by this time. And, uh, and, and, but I was having these asthma attacks and I'd, I'd believe God and I'd confess and man, I got no better fast. Finally, take a primatine tablet. And I'm telling you in about 10 minutes, it was all gone. And I remember telling my friend, we were driving down the road one day and, uh, Ralph Gardner, you gave me my first Kenneth Hagin book. We were driving down the road one day, and I said, I just so, I'm just so discouraged. I'm just so, I'm, I'm, I'm miserable. I said, what's wrong with you? And I said, my faith isn't worth anything. I said, I've got a little tiny primatine tablet, little about the size of a baby asthma, is more powerful than my faith. And I've been feeding my faith for two years. And that little tablet has got more power I said, if all my faith, you know, was if, 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 if all of my faith was in my head and it all exploded at one time, it wouldn't be enough to blow my hat off. <laughs> it's just powerless. And he began to encourage me. He said, no, he said, Ed, when we're growing in faith, you know, and so, you know, that just, I, what, I was, what I'm illustrating there is I just thought God was so hard on me. But it, it caused me to grow in faith. You say, not having your prayers answered, it caused me to dig. It caused me to, to say, okay, God, where am I? When I after I get through complaining and, and blaming God, that's always a good starting point. You know, it's a good place to stop. Stop blaming God and start taking responsibility. And, uh, and usually I did that, you know, before too many days went by. And, uh, uh, but you grow in, in the application of your faith. And, and the thing is, I heard, I heard somebody illustrate it like this. He said, you know, this particular preacher, he said, when I was young, he said, my faith, I was facing life. And it, it, was, like, it was like the big a wall of a dam. On the other side of the dam was this mighty lake, huge lake. And I'm, my life is that dam. And man, that thing's got cracks and there's water spurting out everywhere. He said, you know, my faith was sort of like chewing gum. I'd, I'd, I'd take my little faith and I'd go out and I'd plug one hole and I'd get it stopped and then another one would pop, you know. 
And he said, I, I just seemed like that's all I was doing. And, and I just had more, more disasters falling, you know, befalling me than I had bubble gum to, to stop them. And I'm just doing what I can. He said, but over the years, he said, what's happened to my faith is now, instead of having some bubble gum to plug a few holes, he says, I'm, I'm driving some heavy equipment. He said, now I'm believing God for a ministry, millions of dollars a year. And most of this man's problems was, my, was money back then. He had tremendous money. He was so far in debt. And a lot of foolishness, you know, when he was younger. And uh, he was just plugging every, you know, thing he could and springing leaks everywhere else. Everybody's wanting money. He said, now I'm the head of a multi-million dollar a year ministry. And he said, I don't even sweat money. He said, it's like I've got this heavy equipment now of faith. And when something does come, come up, he said, I just roll over to that thing and just fix it with my faith. Well, that's, what, that's how we're growing. We're growing in faith. Thank God for it. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm a little off my, my, my topic. Let me get back on it. Uh, as it is written, verse 17 says, As it is written, I have, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed. Now notice, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's what God does. God doesn't just believe, God speaks. To call something that doesn't exist as though it did requires speaking. It doesn't say God thinks about things that don't exist as though they did. He calls them. You see that in Genesis. Let there be light. He wanted light, but it didn't happen until he called it. Amen. God calls those things which do not exist as though they did and they become. Say, well, yeah, he's God. He's kind of like that. Yeah. Abraham was just like that too. Because God said, I have made you a father of many nations. And he had to believe that. He didn't have any evidence of it. He was old. His wife was old. They didn't have children. And uh, between the two of them, him and Sarah, he'd had, you know, one child with, with, uh, with Hagar. But, you know, he's, now he's 99 years old. I've made you a father of many. And the Lord said, it's not. It's not going to be through Hagar. It's going to be through, through Sarah. Well, you know, he believed God. He believed God. But he didn't just believe God, he started saying it. Because God, God gave him the way to say it. He said, you don't call yourself Abram anymore. Call yourself Abraham, the father of many nations. So, you know, if I'm only 70, and, and it would be kind of weird for me just to suddenly tell all of you I've got a new name. I don't want you to call me Pastor Anderson anymore. I'm Pastor Jones. That'd be a hard sell. You'd think I've lost my mind. Well, you know, he's 99 years old and he's telling people I am a, because people's names meant something back then, you know, and uh, today they don't mean anything. People kind of try to pretend like they do, but they don't. They just sound good to your parents. You know, that's all it was. And, uh, And so... Uh, a name meant something. It, it indicated something. So he changed his name to a father of many nations. And he had to sell that. 
He had to say it. And you know, people looked at when he walked away, maybe because he was, you know, pretty influential person. But you know, he walked away, they probably went, oh yeah? <laughs> Let's see how this happens. Amen. But he, he began to say it. When he began to say it, what happens? With the mouth, confession is made unto. It's made unto. It's made unto it. Amen. So, uh, you know, he, he did that. Abraham did that. Paul did it. He's the one that said we walk by faith and not by sight. That's not by the senses. That means not by what we see, feel, taste, touch, or hear. We walk by faith. Jesus overcame the devil not by just what he believed. When the devil came to him tempting him, he didn't just believe the truth. He had to speak it. Every time the devil said something, Jesus answered him with words. Listen, he didn't just answer him with faith. He didn't just respond with faith. He responded with faith-filled words. And every time he would say, it is written. Faith-filled words are full of power. The woman with the issue of blood. Turn with me to, to, to Mark 5, and I'll let you go just a minute. Mark 5. Hallelujah. And, and really, it wasn't, it wasn't even just the woman with the issue of blood. You know, there's, there's a longer story about her. But, you know, uh, before this, Jairus, Jesus had been in one place, and then he came to another place. And if you, if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke together, uh, he came to this, to this region that he hadn't been in. And, the, and it says that great crowds, multitudes... Uh, yeah, verse 21, Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side. A great multitude gathered him, and he was by the sea. Now, why do you think they'd gathered to him? Because they had heard about him. They all wanted something, okay? And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. Now notice, and she will live. That w- those, were, those were words of faith. He's saying, all you got to do, Jesus. He didn't, now, he didn't have perfect faith that Jesus would come with him. You know, you don't, have, you don't have to have faith in everything to receive from the faith you do have. Okay. He didn't know if he could prevail on Jesus to come or not. And that's why he was begging him. Begging is not usually a good thing <laughs> for God. He doesn't really respond to begging. But this man, he, this man came and, and begged him. Uh, my little, and, and even gave him, you know, a little sad story. Uh, a seriously sad story. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Lay, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. And she will live. You know what Jesus did? He immediately left everybody else. He said, I'm going to this man's house. Jesus will follow words of faith. God will always respond to words of faith. So Jesus went with him. Now, there was a great multitude that followed him and thronged him. So Jesus is making his way to Jairus' house. And and he's being directed by Jairus' words. He's responding to Jairus' words of faith. 
wasn't what just, he wasn't responding to his need. Everybody in that crowd had need. But one per, he, only one person got Jesus to go to their house. Only one person. It was Jairus. He did it by saying, she will be healed. So he started the journey. And you know the story. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from, from many position, physicians. Spent all that she had. Was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus... She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes. Now, we know that when you're making a prayer of faith, the word if is the badge of doubt and unbelief. If. If it be your will. So, so we know not to pray if. So her faith wasn't perfect on every measure. She, she didn't have perfect faith that she could touch him. She was weak. I mean, she had, she had a lot to overcome. She was 12 years in this condition, hemorrhaging like this. And so she, she, she didn't know if she could get through. Her faith wasn't perfect. She was just fighting with everything she had to get through. But she had this. If I can touch him, I don't know if I can, but if I can touch him, I will be healed. And the Greek says that she said... If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. The literal Greek says, she kept saying. And Matthew's account of this said that she said it in her heart. Remember, with the heart, man believes, and with the mouth, confession is made. She, had, she didn't have it working on, on the, on the uh, uh, part of getting to him. She didn't know if she could get to him or not. She wasn't in faith. But she was in faith that if she could pull it off, she was getting healed. I don't know if I can touch him or not, but, but if, when I touch him, if I do, when I touch him, I'm healed. And when she touched him, because she believed and she spoke it, power immediately went out of him and went into her. And there were other people touching him. Because he, 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 remember, he said, who touched me? And he looked around, and, and I think Mark's, uh, Luke's gospel said that she, she had hidden herself. And from his side, and he didn't know where she was and didn't know who, who was. He was trying to find out who touched me. And, you know, one of the disciples said, Jesus, you know, there's all these people around you. and They're, they're all touching you. All the people, do you know, in that crowd, not one person got healed in that crowd except Jairus' daughter and this woman. None of those people got healed. Jairus turned Jesus' day around, redirected him, took him to his house, and this woman stopped him by touching him by faith and power went out of him. It didn't go into anybody else there. And not only that, I didn't notice this until today I was reading this. He, 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 the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. So she had, she had evidently got a, you know, some distance away from him. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. She felt in her body, she felt that power go into her because he was anointed with healing, excuse me, with healing power and that power went into her and she felt it. While he was still speaking, some, and I'll close with this, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any, any further? You know, is, could there be any more disheartening news when he left home that day to seek Jesus, his daughter was at home sick. But now word comes that she's dead. I'm telling you, if there's, if there's, any, 
If there's any time, give up is screaming, it's time like that. It's too late, give up. And the people were telling him, don't even try it anymore. It's too late. Well, Jesus picked up on this. As soon as Jesus heard the word, he said to the ruler, do not be afraid, only believe. He had already said what he believed. He said, don't turn, don't, don't turn your faith off now. You've said she will be healed. Don't stop believing that. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. All those other people got turned away. He sent them home. He sent the entire multitude home. Wouldn't let them go because Jesus doesn't go with doubt and unbelief. He doesn't run in that company. God doesn't operate in the company of doubt and unbelief. God, God responds to faith, people. He responds to men and women like you who will just, just operate in simple faith. You don't have to have faith on every category in your life. It doesn't all have to line up. You can be missing it over here. But if you get a, a word in your heart... It gets down in your heart about something you may, you may be missing it over there. Maybe, maybe you're not prospering like you should, but you can be healed. You can get the prosperity too, same way. But you don't have to be able to get, you don't have to get it all to get part of it. And you don't have to get your healing every time to prosper. If you'll take the, the, the word of God, get it down in you, believe it in your heart and say it out of your mouth. Now, I'll, I'll let you go. Seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm closing my stuff. Too many people believe in saying it and they don't do much saying it. Too many people believe in saying it, but they don't do much saying. A lot of people, a whole lot of people really believe in saying it, but they really don't practice saying it very much. That's the truth. And without saying it, your faith cannot be robust. Cannot be. Cannot be robust. Get in the habit of saying what you believe. My wife and I, when we, bought, when we built this house, we said we're gonna, we didn't have enough money, you know, from the, from the uh, uh, you know, asset of the other house, you know, the equity, to, to build this house, you know, to get the land and build it. But we said, you know, we're going we're gonna to get in this house. And I think... Again, my wife's not here. Uh, she would tell me exactly the figure to the penny. But I think we, I think we financed, I want to say $140,000. And, and then that, that didn't count, doesn't count the other things we paid cash for after we bought the house. You know, the driveway, that wasn't part of the package, the patio, a lot of stuff, you know, the sheds. None of that was in, in the original contract. So we just, you know, paid that out of pocket. But... I said, we're going to pay for this house. We're going to pay it off in four years. No, no, correction. I said three years. Angela said, we'll do it in four years. Couldn't get her to agree with me completely. I said, no, we can do this in three years. She, she, she kept telling people, we're going to pay this off in four years. I kept saying, what's wrong with you? But you know, the truth of the matter is, this week or next week, we pay our house off. And just under four years. But the thing about it is, we could have paid it off last year. We could have paid it off. We had the money to pay it off. The only reason we didn't is the taxes were better if we didn't. We'd actually cost us money in taxes. And so we could have done it in three years. The money was there. 
But we kept saying it. She said four years. I'm saying three. We're going to pay this off in four years. I said three. I kept saying three. But we kept speaking it. And, and it's either this week or next week. You know, we're going to, we're going to pay it off. Everything debt free. Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't even hard. It wasn't even hard. God responds to words that are spoken in faith. So brush up on your speaking. Brush up on your speaking. There's power in faith-filled words. If you'll say them and 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 say them until you get tired of saying them, take a deep breath and keep on saying them every day. Praise the Lord. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.